0: Uh, That's right across the street. So, uh, you know,
1: uh, you you have the pupusaria. You have the art on the walls. You have events
2: like stand-up versus...
1: Hello and welcome to Women's Magazine. This is Global Val here broadcasting live from MutinyRadio.fm here at the corner of 21st and Florida streets in San Francisco, California. My hometown, my home state, everybody's home, planet Earth. And welcome back. It is January 1st, 2016. Can you believe it? Welcome to the new day, to the new year, whatever that calendar may mean for you. I saw the sun go down yesterday. I felt like that was my midnight. I hope you all had a good, fun, safe time out there doing what you love to do, whether that's being with friends or just uh, snuggling up and staying warm in this cool, chilly season. And as we think about this this uh, cold season, this winter. We want to think about the people who are out there on the streets. We want to think about the individuals, the families, the young people who have no homes, have no roof over their head. Maybe they have a car. Um, We've got quite the houselessness epidemic in San Francisco. And uh, I've got a a lot of things to do today uh, to talk about, little things to touch upon, big things to touch upon in small ways. Of course, there's just an hour here for the Women's Magazine. But before I jump into the issue of homelessness in San Francisco, which uh, has actually some, some great uh, events coming up to try to address that, before we go even any further... I really just want to thank everybody for participating in Mutiny Radio for the year 2015. I sat down and tallied up and looked at all the shows and all the notes I took from all the shows last year. And it turns out that I produced forty five common thread collectives and twenty five women 's magazines so I feel very accomplished for having produced seventy shows in the year two thousand and fifteen solely on fridays and uh it's something that i'm I'm very proud of and i'm 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 a pretty you know i'm kind of a modest humble uh individual i don 't go around bragging um, and this is certainly not to brag, but it is to highlight the fact that there is so much to be talked about so much information to be put out there and I really want to humbly thank all of my guests who I had through the year 2015. Um, you know, a lot of shows I did on my own, just kind of doing very on various themes, um, But a a few people I want to thank, I want to thank Olly Welch, Ollie May Trost Welch, who joined me uh, back in February, uh, February 6th, um, to read from her autobiography. I want to thank Sylvia Frane, who's a PhD candidate down at the University of Otago in Dunedin, New Zealand, and she is uh, on top of the Oceania resistance, as well as looking at the uh, Pacific pivot and the military actions in the the Pacific, uh, c- centered around uh, Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands. Uh, we spoke to her on, on numerous occasion, occasions in 2015, back in February, and then again in August. I also want to thank Katie Fox from the organization We Are Movement. She was in here throughout the entire month of March of 2015. Uh, they they go around and, and, and kind of challenge public spaces and bring humanity into public spaces by bringing the human heartbeat and amplifying it on the streets. And we came in, she came in, uh, throughout March and, um, and we amplified heartbeats and, uh, let people know that when your heart beats near someone else's, they start to sync up. So let this be a heart driven year. So thanks Katie Fox from We Are Movement. Um, Let's see. Who else did I... I also want to thank Lynn Pardee. Uh, She's down in New Zealand as well. She called in world-class sailor. She's circumnavigated the globe in a sailboat uh, twice. Um, She's got over 200,000 nautical miles under her belt. Uh, She and her husband live down in New Zealand now, and she's a real fun and inspirational woman. And I hope to have her back on the show this year to kind of follow up on our, our previous conversation that we had in May. And of course, I want to thank... Uh, Dr. Diane Tober, who I spoke to in October, Tober in October, uh, she made a movie called The Perfect Donor, uh, exploring the way that women, young women are selected to donate their eggs for fertility purposes and the types of compensations uh, that they're uh, enticed with uh, while they also undergo some Highly experimental and, at times, very risky uh, procedures. Uh, the information about which they don't always have a complete picture. So thank you, Diane Tober and her movie, uh, The Perfect Donor. And I want to thank Dr. Beth. Dr. Beth is a DJ here at Mutiny Radio. She's America's teenologist. I got to get to know her a little bit back in November. And then, also, the last, uh, last episode, last guest I had was on December 11th, Aaron Weber is a self-organized volunteer who was in Greece. And then uh, she was in Athens and then down in the island of Lesbos working to help the refugees who were showing up on the shores of Greece. Um, And uh, she had quite a bit to say um, to let us know about the ever changing refugee situation that's happening across the globe right now. Millions and millions of people fleeing their home, home countries, fleeing war, trying to find help and refuge on friendly shores. And, uh, but she had a lot of beautiful insight about that. And so thank you, Erin, for being my guest on December 11th, Women's Magazine. And last but not least, I'd really like to thank our mayoral candidate, Amy Farrell-Weiss met her about a year ago uh, as she was gearing up to run for mayor of San Francisco. And this leads us into our topic today, one of the first things I want to talk about, which is homelessness. And uh, when she was running for mayor, she came up with the idea of the San Francisco Super Bowl homelessness challenge. This was in reaction to Mayor Ed Lee, who had basically declared that for the Super Bowl, which is going to be held down in Santa Clara this year, um, that he was going to clean up the streets in in the sense of uh, basically getting the homeless people out of the way for whatever sort of victory parades or, you know, to like give uh, a clean look to the city and pretend like we don't have a homeless problem. Um, Of course, there are a lot of programs that are happening around San Francisco. um, But in response to that, Amy Weiss came up with this St. Francis homelessness challenge. So she and a and a big group of, of people in and about the community of San Francisco are going to have an event tomorrow. That's January 2nd, Saturday at Soma arts. And it's going to be from 10 AM to 6 PM, a series of, of workshops and talks, uh, breakout sessions and such. They're going to be looking at various models, uh, you know, affordable models for temporary uh, housing, um, temporary encampments, how to have a sustainable um, sustainable spots in San Francisco of underutilized space uh, in order to house our houseless neighbors. So you can check that out at SaintFrancisChallenge. dot com, and they have actually have a uh, Saint Francis Homelessness Challenge twenty sixteen. They have a survey up which you can take, and the survey is kind of interesting. It's telling, uh, it's presenting various. Um, Statistics about homelessness in San Francisco, and just kind of to, to gauge um, our awareness. So I want to read you a couple of points from that survey, so you get an idea of where these folks are coming from, who are putting together the St. Francis Homelessness Challenge, um, which is um, it's it's a it's a group of citywide San Francisco residents who are challenging. Uh, themselves, City Hall, and the nine Bay Area county governments to take strategic, innovative, and collaborative action in support of our unhoused neighbors in 2016. So a couple of the the uh, stats from, from the survey that they're wondering how much people know about it, um, whether you're aware of it before or had no prior knowledge, or if this is just different from what you previously thought. So um, one of the sources that they use is San Francisco's 2015 point-in-time count and survey survey. So this is 2015. Adults living on the street in San Francisco, 2,962. Unaccompanied youth under 25 living on the streets, 1,363. People and families living on the streets, 33. That's a total of 4,358 people, according to a San Francisco source. We've got uh, 1,194 adults living in emergency shelters, um, 68 Unaccompanied youth under 25 living in emergency shelters and uh, 337 families. Um, a lot of people uh, in emergency shelters, which if you know, if you if you know anything about it, if you tuned in shelters are it's, it's a very taxing system. Um, folks have to get up very early get in line for a bed that night, and then often have no place to go during the day. So they wander around during the day, come back at night, go to sleep for a few hours, and then have to wake up again in order to go either to the same place or to a different shelter and get in line again and hope that they get a bed for the following night. It's this very taxing system. Um, the the St. Francis Homelessness Challenge also talks about sleep deprivation and, uh, and and sleeping being a basic human need, like eating and drinking and breathing. And sleep deficiency is linked to many chronic problems, including heart disease, kidney disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke, obesity, and depression. Um, So if you're interested in getting involved, check out St. Francis uh, Homelessness Challenge. And uh, they'll they'll be there at Soma Arts Cultural Center tomorrow. That's Saturday, January 2nd. From 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So I want to play a little music and then I'll be right back with a few other topics I'd like to talk about today the first day of 2016 to see where we've been and where we can go from here. I'm Global Val. You're awesome. Peace. Here's some more music from Bonfire Madigan. Moon time.
0: perfectly fine of lying down up a-
1: Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val here at MutinyRadio.fm and uh, on the tales of uh, talking about houselessness and homelessness and the St. Francis Homelessness Challenge uh, organized by Amy Fairweiss, our former mayoral candidate of San Francisco and uh, their big day tomorrow, January 2nd at Soma Arts. Speaking of home, uh, we like to have some good news, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of News we we could talk about, or it's not good news. But here's some good news, and it's related to home. Um, the muralists and tenants of Proceda Eyes, the um, the. the, the that does a lot of the murals around the Mission District. And it, and it has a couple of different little locations, but one of them is over by Presida Park. So, after months of deliberations, Presida Eyes Muralist and the Mission Economic Development Agency, or MEDA, have persuaded the owner of the building of, on Presida Avenue to accept an offer. The building houses the Muralist Community Center as well as five longtime tenants. The acceptance come on the conditions that the development agency, MEDA, and Presida Eyes raise $200,000. Uh, down payment by the end of January. So, uh, fundraising efforts to meet the December 31st and January 22nd danli- deadlines are well underway, including a Crowd Rise campaign. So, if you want to support the Prestita Eyes Muralist, go on to Crowd Rise. That's one word. Uh, and, and find their campaign. So the building is at 348 Presida Avenue and was listed for $995,000 in late August. The ground floor commercial space was Presida Eye's Muralist's first location and is now a community center and studio as well as a storage area. The second floor is an attic space and include three units, housing a total of five longtime tenants. Community organizers as well as Muralist were primarily concerned that a new buyer would evict the rent controlled tenants. And This is an article from Mission Local, uh, missionlocal.org, the local newspaper here in in the neighborhood. Um, Susan Kelk Cervantes, the founder of Procida Eyes Mural Center, said, I don't want to be focused on Procida Eyes because we're trying to save the building for all of our homes and businesses. I feel that it's a really important cause, and I feel strongly about being behind it. Some tenants have been anxious since the building went on the market, not just because of the possibility of being evicted, but because of, the trying conversations that come with building sales. Uh, Samantha Lunt, a two-year resident of the building who grew up in the neighborhood and whose roommate has been in the building for some 30 years, recalled a few prospective buyers. One, she said, uh, she found standing on her front steps unannounced when she arrived home at 11 p.m. one night. He had brought his family to check out the view. Well, that's kind of normal. Um, but it it is hard. I've been in, I've been in uh, places, renting in places where the building or the house was getting sold and it is a little bit odd to have people coming around and walking through your living room and making their plans for you know tearing down walls uh, it's disconcerting um so um so the sellers uh will receive a twenty-eight thousand dollars good faith deposit by december 31st and made as director of community real estate uh Caroline Fang said the seller accepted the nonprofit's third offer, which is market competitive, while Maida's first offer involved the use of the seller's note—an agreement to pay the seller the price of the building over time. The latest offer was made with an acquisition loan from a credit union. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, and 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 the building is 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 owned by one family. They're not. Uh, they they're not. Um, big investors. This is their only uh, investment property. Um, so we're very happy that Presida Eyes and the uh, Mission Economic Development Agency have worked out a situation for the tenants and the community center to stay in their building on Presida Avenue. So very good, very good news. And uh, you read the whole article at missionlocal.org and uh, and you can you can you know celebrate in your own way that was an article from December 30th so certainly happy to be here home in San Francisco and we hope everyone else is feeling at home wherever you are we'll be right back
0: Setting up a flame. I am not sorry for who I am or who you wanted me to be. And I am scattering this survival. I am sending this survival in a battle to the stars this now and be not so cause I made it now Hear now, hear this now, we all know sorry, cause we, we made it now now, hear this now, there's no apology Should've been the all existence Could've been enough existence Should've been enough existence Should've been Should've been, should've been.
1: Should be enough. Thank you, Bonfire Madigan, for reminding us of that. That's from her song called "Mad Skywriting." Uh, BonfireMadigan.com. Uh, she does a lot of work on on behalf of folks who have been labeled in some sort of psychiatric way. Um, and uh, and uh, if you really want to talk about things that are kind of crazy, um, the next thing I want to talk about is for, let's bring it home again. So. The United Nations does um, does you know it's its own uh, research and 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 so there were a few there were three women who came to the U.S. this year, to the United States, um, U- UN representatives, to to see what was going on with the status of women in the United States, the status of women's rights in the United States. And so uh, there's an article I'm I'm referencing here, and I've seen a few others, but uh, the article I'm referencing here is the UN News Center. And the title of this article, Women in the U.S. Lagging Behind in Human Rights, UN Experts Report After a Myth-Shattering Visit. So this is an article from... December 11th, 2015, UN.org News Center. I'm going to read some of it. While praising the current United States administration for its commitment to women's equality. United Nations experts warned today that the extreme polarization of U.S. politics is, a profound, is profoundly affecting the government's ability to guarantee women's human rights and even to ratify the International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. That is the CEDAW, C-E-D-A-W, uh, which has been ratified by... Uh, most of the countries around the world, not the United States, but I'll I'll read on, I'll read on. So the U.S., Uh, the U.S., which is leading in formulating international human rights standards, which is a leading state in formulating international human rights standards, is allowing its women to lag behind, said the UN Working Group on Discrimination Against Women in Law and in Practice in a news release issued by the Office of the the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. As regards uh, the women the Women's Anti-Discrimination Convention, the experts noted that the U.S. is one of only seven countries which have not ratified the treaty, widely known as CEDAW. Quote, "We We are of the unreserved opinion that the ratification of CEDAW is crucial on both the domestic and on global levels. In order to confirm the U.S. commitment to substantive equality for women in all spheres of life, they underscored. The experts said their 10-day official visit to the U.S., which ran from uh, November 30th to December 11th, was particularly timely since the political rhetoric rhetoric of some of the candidates for the upcoming presidential elections has included, quote, unprecedented hostile stereotyping of women, along with, quote, increasingly restrictive legislative measures by many of the states to prevent women's access to exercise their reproductive rights. They also noted that a wide diversity in state law and practice in the U.S. makes it impossible to give give a comprehensive report, but what they found nevertheless pointed to a, quote, overall picture of women's missing rights. We understand the complexity of federalism, but this cannot be regarded as a justification for failure to secure these rights, which are universal, indivisible, and inalienable, the experts underscored. They also stressed that while all women are, are the victims of these missing rights, those who are poor belong to Native American, Afro-American, and Hispanic ethnic minorities, migrant women, LGBTQ women, women with disabilities, and older women are disparately vulnerable. They noted that the women in the U.S. do not take their, quote, rightful place as citizens of the world's leading economy, end quote as they face barriers in campaigning for political office and are 72, number 72, in global ranking for representation in the legislature. 72. That's pretty low. That's pretty low, folks. Pretty low. Uh, Further, the experts also observed that nationwide absence of the right to paid maternity leave... And cautioned that U.S. women face ever-increasing obstacles to accessing reproductive health services, both as a result of legislative restrictions in many states and because of violent attacks on reproductive health clinic staff and patients. Uh, Side note from another article I read uh, from a report from these these women from the U.N., they actually did visit an abortion clinic, and these are all three mature women uh, who were walking in and people were yelling at them saying that they were baby killers and all these things, even though, you know, and this is their quote, even though we're clearly past childbearing age. Um, So these women who came from three different countries as representatives from the United Nations to, to, to see what was going on with the status of women's rights in the United States got that kind of treatment. So just so you know, this is what's happening here. We're going back to the article. Uh, they also found that between 1990 and 2013, maternal mortality increased by 136% with Afro-American women at four times the risk. Wow. Increased 136% between 1990 and 2013. Those are, those are women dying from, from childbirth in the United States. Quote, we witnessed the intimidation and harassment in our visits to the clinics as I mentioned. Uh, Indeed, just before their arrival in the U.S., people were killed at the Planned Parenthood Family Planning Center in Colorado. The U.N. human rights experts noted that despite the efforts of the current administration to take measures to eliminate violence against women, such violence is persistent and is exacerbated by the lack of gun control. Isn't this nice to have like an outside perspective of what's going on in our country? Sometimes I feel like people inside our country would just like get really caught up and uh, what's all around us. But it, it's nice to be able to step back and, and, and get you know, some folks from the, from the outside looking in and uh, holding up a mirror. It's kind of nice to, uh, to see that. Quote, We were appalled by the over-incarceration of women, mostly for nonviolent crimes, and the failure to find non-custodial solutions for mothers of dependent children. They said, expressing deep concern at the women's prisoners' conditions, which include mass accommodation space, spaces, overcrowding in cells, solitary confinement, shackling during childbirth, and lack of support for reentry after they're released. Highlighting the, quote, deeply disturbing condition of migrant women in detention centers, in particular women of mi- with minor children who are in prolonged detention, the experts said that proper health care services are not systematically provided in a timely manner to these women, despite the horrifying physical and emotional ordeals endured by many of them in their transit to the United States. We also received allegations from women being subjected to an expedited removal process resulting in the denial of many legitimate asylum claims, they added. The UN working group delegation which included human rights experts Eleonora Zelinski, Alda Fasio and Francis Rade met with government officials at the federal and state levels, representatives of civil society organizations, academics, as well as practitioners. They also held meetings with representatives of civil society organizations, as well as academics, practitioners, and individual women in Washington, D.C., Alabama, Oregon, and Texas, and will present a comprehensive report with its conclusions and recommendations to the U.N. Human Rights Council in June. So, ladies... American women. That's the view from the outside. Looking in to see, in the United States, although we may feel like we have a lot of rights, they are quickly being eroded. And uh, it's something that we need to stay on top of. And and the rights that we need to exercise is our our right to vote, uh, our freedom of speech. And and if we do these things, if we use those tools, um, we can protect ourselves, and all women in this country um, from unnecessary, well, brutality, uh, legal legal brutality, and uh, denying of rights, basic human rights, basic medical rights. So that's the United Nations saying, hey, United States, ladies, you better wake up. So... Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine. I'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Here's some music from our friend Seastar out on the Big Island. And let's see, maybe I'll play Sacred Red. Let's do that, shall we?
0: sacred
1: Banquet. That leads us into our next topic here on Women's Magazine. We want to highlight some good things that happened in 2015. And this is, uh, you know, we've been struggling for some years now against genetically modified organisms posing as food, uh, foodstuffs, uh, grown with genetic modifications, um, you know, designed in laboratories. Uh, we know the big, one of the biggest, um, offenders of this is Monsanto. Um, you know, they've, they've trapped generations of, of, uh, of farmers into buying their seeds and not reusing them and buying their herbicides and, making seeds that don't reproduce, um, so the, the big movement of March against Monsanto really ramped up in, in 2015, especially on the heels of 2014, where, um, uh, prop, I think it was prop 17 here in San, in, uh, California, uh, that was going to be labeling GMOs did not pass, um, presumably due to a multi-million dollar influx of, uh, of the corporate interests against it, um, you know, basically f- flooding the the information throughout the campaign. And so prop 17, I believe it was 17, uh, did not pass, but it got very close to labeling GMOs in California, um, there's a lot of back backroom deals going on to try to prevent other states or any states uh, from from labeling GMOs, and this is a big thing we need to pay attention to in the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, this big trade deal um, that is uh, set to be on the fast track, which means it would be uh, approved and then could only be signed or vetoed without amendment. Um, it, it, it's, it's written by corporate lobbyists and lawyers uh, in order to try to prevent things like letting people know what's in their food. Um, so it's a big movement around the world, and especially here in the United States, against uh, GMOs, um, because in many other countries they're already not permitted. Um, so I was reading a little blog um, about some of the exciting changes the food industry made in 2015 because of grass, grassroots organizing and petitions and, and uh, consumer demands. Uh, some of these come from a, a, a blog called Food Babe. And I uh, just want to highlight a few things that changed uh, over the year. Hey, Heineken Newcastle Brown Ale removed cal- uh, caramel coloring, and we'll go back to coloring it the natural way with roasted malt. Uh, General Mills, uh, in response to petitions, uh, decided to get rid of BHT, which is a controversial preservative they use in their cereals but they in the United States, but not overseas. Um, McDonald's announced that over the next few years, they'll stop using chickens that were treated with antibiotics commonly used for humans. Hey, <laughs> and they'll, they'll uh, stop cooking their chicken in liquid margarine which they've used for many years, and they're removing sodium phosphates and maltodextrin from their from their uh, grilled artisan chicken breast. Does McDonald's do anything artisan? I don't know. I think you have to have some sort of, like, taste for that. Anyhow, Costco, um, one day following McDonald's, uh, Costco reported that, that they are in the process of eliminating chicken and meat that was raised on human-use antibiotics. Dear God. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts removed... Titanium dioxide, which is a whitening agent from their powdered sugar, following a campaign by a nonprofit group called As You Sew. Um, what else? Uh, Kraft announced its plans to drop the artificial colors the yellow number five and yellow number six from all of their mac and cheese products. That came after a petition was launched in 2013, um, asking them to remove fake dyes made from petroleum. And. Uh, let's see, Chipotle officially uh, got rid of a lot of its GMO ingredients um, that it used for its tortillas, and they won't be using GMO so- soybean oil. Um, not all of their, not all of their things. Uh, <laughs> Wendy's starts offering their first organic tea item, uh, item which is tea, and that was in April. Tea. Oh, we've got something organic. It's Tea. Anyhow, fast food coming around. Uh, Panera Bread announced they're removing removing 150 artificial additives, including artificial colors, BHT, nitrates, high fructose corn syrup, hidden MSG, and particularly hydrogenated oils. Uh, They were called out back in 2012 for using nitrates and such. Um, What else? Oh, my God, even Walmart's in on this. Uh, they asked their suppliers to stop the use of growth-promoting antibiotics. They're asking them to follow the five principles of animal welfare, ensure that animals are not starved and have efficient space to move and do not suffer mental distress. I mean, this is huge. Um, I mean, at least these are this is great lip service. It's great PR for some of these big ugly, uh, corporations who've been poisoning us. Sorry guys. Um, it's, it's true because obviously you're, they're, they're backing away and that's from consumer insistence. And so people, I'll leave you with that because just when you think your aspirations are outrageous, that inspiration is contagious. So keep on working, getting together Pushing towards what's good for everybody, and we're all going to be all right. So that's my New Year's Day decree. Let it be so. I'm Global Val. I'm going to read your poem and play some music, and then in a few minutes we'll be here live at the corner of Twenty First and Florida, where the Common Thread Collective will have the doors open for you to come in, grab a microphone, bring your unit, musical or otherwise, your words, your activism, and uh, join us and be part of this experience. It's from three to six every Friday. So that's coming up next here at Mutiny Radio. Here is a poem I wrote on Christmas. And if you didn't notice, Christmas was a full moon. So here we go Full moon Christmas. It's tempting to take gravity for granted. Yet, when the planet is tilting toward a new universal horizon, Slanting forward in our same old skin, notice that we are spinning, still stepping with measured intentions of not spilling, traversing the trails of the familiar, but that's only memory. Our physical reality shows us facing a mirror of light, orbiting our night skies, reminding us of what we're in for, when sometimes the floor is no longer there. We're accustomed to our stars, yet those subtle candles only mark the rolling path. Thank you so much for listening to Women's Magazine. Uh, If you want to check out more about what I do, globalval.blogspot.com, G-L-O-B-A-L-V-A-L.blogspot.com. I'll update it soon, but I want to thank everybody for tuning in during the year 2015 and before that and beyond. Happy New Year, everybody! Here's a little more music from Sea Star, and please do stick around, and uh, just remember to keep keep looking, keep digging, because you're gonna get you're gonna hit that hit that well.
0: precious possession